Okay, I got everybody recording on Zencaster, and here comes the silence, and then comes the magic. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We are the twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the radio show-turned-podcast Too Beautiful to Live. On Mondays, we give you a recap of the previous week's shows, but on Fridays, we bring on a fan of the show, what is known in the show community as a 10, to tell us about their experiences with the show, as well as play one of their favorite segments from TBTL history, and we'll kick that around. My name is Mike Frizzell, and I can't do this all by myself. So from just up I-35, one of the most frustrating stretches of freeway in the world, in Dallas, I have Meredith Spaghetti Mayhan. Hello, Meredith. Hey, Mike. And... Our guest tonight, all the way from a moderately priced hotel room in Monterey, California, is our guest, Colleen. Hello, Colleen. Hi, Mike. Well, uh, listening to this clip today, guys, uh, amazing. I can't believe I forgot about this. Um, there's really nothing uh, I want to discuss before we uh, get into interviewing Colleen and uh, talking about this clip. But uh, toward the end here, I'll tell everyone how to get involved. Um, we're always looking for new submissions. We've been wanting to get Colleen on for a while. And finally, uh, finally, we have her. And I'll, I'll, there's a reason I wanted to have Meredith on for Colleen. And we'll get into that when, when we talk to her uh, here, in a, here in a second. Um, Meredith, did you have anything you, you needed to, to talk about before we got into this? Uh, no, nothing before. I really love this clip, though, so I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> well, um, the reason that we are gathered here today, I've, I've not done the audio production side of this program ever. So this is my first time. So if you're hearing this, sweet success. Uh, it happened. And, and I'm, I'm glad it did. But uh, so I'm, I wanted to, to come on with Colleen because I had not met her yet. Um, I think Bobby and Christy met her, said she was the best at karaoke at the meetup at the Mandarin Gate and said she was a delightful person. And then listening to this clip, I know this is going to be a magic show. But the reason that I wanted to have Meredith on is because both of these ladies are from Detroit. There are a lot of people that are from Detroit. Have you noticed that? As the sassy old lady who lives down the street from me said, it's a wonderful place to be from. Oh my God. I say that all the time to people. <laughs> that's like my, that's my thing when I don't know how to end a conversation about Detroit. So I saw something in our chat leading up to the show. You said there was something that you couldn't wait to talk about with Meredith. And I had no idea what it was. <laughs> you don't. Um, it's uh, better made potato chips. Um, yeah, Better Made is a Detroit made with Michigan potatoes brand of potato chips. And it's pretty much only available in Michigan. Like, I don't even think they sell them in Ohio. And um, I don't, are they good, Meredith? Are they good? They're fine. Okay. Yeah. There's like, um, they have this one like hot barbecue flavor that's pretty good. Like, you can't really get uh, like a, a very spicy uh, hot barbecue chip mm -hmm. anywhere. But I, um, I have lived in Seattle for um, almost nine years. And so you go through this, like, <clears throat> I would say, like, deep depression and longing for the disgusting food. Like, when we first moved <laughs> to Seattle, we both lost, like, 10 pounds in, in a month because, they're, like, the level of grease was so much less. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have as many Coney dogs no, out there in Seattle? There no. really aren't any Coney dogs. Like, there's a place that has Coney dogs, but it's vegetarian chili, which is oh, BS. No. It has to have mystery liver in it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, 
so better made potato chips um better it's like better made is like the fago of potato chips mm-hmm. does that make sense mm-hmm. mike yeah that makes sense in, in seattle like the only big local chip company is tim's cascade chips and and they're very good so it's it's funny to hear you be wistful about a potato chip you really didn't like that much <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I even a couple of years ago, I actually went on their website and you can order a case of better made and they don't even mark it up or charge you shipping because they like, like they have no idea what they're missing, I guess. So I ordered a case and it like came to my house in this giant better made box. And I was just it was like Christmas. It was amazing. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. It's just the Detroitness of it. I feel the same way about Fago. I never drank Fago, but it's comforting to see it. You never drank Fago, like I mean, even as a kid. Really. Red Pop occasionally, but okay. it wasn't it wasn't my go to. You have, however, been completely covered in Fago. I've been drenched in Fago. Yes, that's different well, though. Yeah, that's important to have at least once in your life. So right. I used to like um, we would run through the sprinkler, and so I have like these really great sense memories of like drinking Red Pop or um, Rock and Rye, which like isn't mm-hmm. even a real thing. Like that, what flavor is that? Um, I don't know. But like the mixture of Fago plus Detroit city water out of a hose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what are your experiences, Colleen, with um, Insane Clown Posse? Were, were you a fan? Uh, no, I was not a fan. So I have two. I have three Insane Clown Posse experiences. So one of them was um, when I was in college, we were driving to Detroit to go to a um probably a ska concert. So, um, I'm really cool. And, um, and we were driving on I-94 going toward Detroit and like, there was a pickup truck with a bunch of juggalos in the back of it, like with their faces painted and everything like open pickup truck going like 70 miles an hour down the uh, highway. Um, sounds about right. Yeah. And I have a friend who is a librarian in Lakewood, Washington, and he frequently has issues with um, juggalos coming to the library mm. because it's a safe place for them because like mm. the other gangs pick on them. They're like the nerd gangs mm-hmm. as defined by the FBI. So he talks a lot about juggalos, but then the, my most recent juggalo experience is that, um, so I don't have a relationship with my biological mom. She kind of pieced out when I was about two. Um, and I saw her, when I was a kid, but I haven't really seen, I've seen her once since I was 13, but she has a fully open Facebook page, which I check sometimes hoping that it's going to turn out differently. And, Mm -hmm. um, about six months ago, I looked at her page and she had a, um, she had a a picture up that said, keep calm. I'm a juggalette. And, um, so that was, yeah, that's terrible. That is so terrible. Right. (laughs) Like that's like pretty much the last thing you want to see, about your mom. Oh my God. So, um, we, we were chatting about your mom a while back and it was a, it was a nightmare situation growing up for you. Um, well, you know, it wasn't a nightmare nightmare cause I wasn't like, I was a little kid. So yeah, I you didn't, don't know. It's what, yeah, it's, yeah I, I get it. But look, it was, looking back and when you tell other people, their mouths drop open and yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so my mom, my parents, my parents had me when they were really young. My mom was 21. My dad was 22. And um, my mom had a really uh, tough life and I have a lot of empathy for her. Um, But that doesn't mean that I have to have a relationship with her. She, um, they split up when I was two and my dad got sole custody, which, uh, so you can imagine what the circumstances must have been Mm. in um, the early eighties. Yeah. 
so um, she uh, she was a drug addict, and um, sometime when I was I think like four or five, she um, had uh, like a big a big federal crime. She had like an arson uh, situation um, mm-hmm. with some hardened criminals, and she uh, was actually on the lam. And um, my dad was. Uh, constantly in contact with the FBI, and um, and then my dad ended up uh, uh, turning her in. Like she called one day after being gone oh. for about two years, and she said she wanted to see me. And he was like, "Well, like let's meet at a coffee shop first because I want to make sure you're clean." And then he called the FBI, and they arranged like a sting at a coffee shop, Meredith wow. on Michigan Avenue in um, East Dearborn, and uh, and so then that night I have this like really I you know, my mom had been gone for a couple of years and we live with my grandparents. It was really tough um, and really confusing for a little kid. Like it was just really, I can't like, you know, I have a daughter who's about to turn five. I can't imagine having a five-year-old and having to explain this to her, but my mom showed up. I was getting put, put to bed and I shared a bedroom with my dad and we had a TV in there and um, I used to watch Magnum PI. Um, and my dad also had a mustache and like we were from Detroit and I sort of thought maybe my dad was Tom Selleck. I was kind of confused about that. Um, but she he put on a tiger's like, cap and, and <laughs> exactly. It. And a Hawaiian shirt. Right. Sure. Um, so she came into my bedroom like all of a sudden oh, and she had on this big red hat. It was like a big red felt hat with like a scarf attached. Do you guys remember those? Mm-hmm. This is like, and she was wearing a trench coat. And I was like, oh my God, my mom is here. And also in my house at every window was a member of the Dearborn police SWAT team <sighs> with an assault rifle because I guess she was a flight risk. So like, if you talk to my family about it, they're like, oh yeah, they closed the street. Like they closed the alley. We had all these cops here. And I saw, you know, I saw her for like not very long and then she went to jail. Um, and then I saw her uh, because she said she got out and said that she wanted to like take me for a day. And so my dad was like, that's great. And she had her, her like NA sponsor with her. So my dad was cool with it, but it turned out that she was taking me to her sentencing hearing. And, um, so I remember that. So she cried to the judge that she was a single mom and no one was going to take care of me. And, um, and you, you think she used you as a prop? I know she did. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Colleen, come on. That that is horrible. I know it really sucks. So anyway, now she, um, she lives in Eugene, Oregon and, um, she smokes a lot of pot. So, um, it's the law there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably good for her. So, you know, that's great. So I stopped, um, in Michigan, it was at the time it was like, once a kid was a teenager, they didn't really enforce, um, visitation orders. So I stopped seeing her when I was 13. And then how did you um, feel about that? Were you relieved? Did you, did, were you uncomfortable with those experiences? Did you feel like a drift when you were with her? You know, um, I, you know, when I think back on it, I try to think a, a lot about, you know, stuff that was good about my mom and, you know, things that I remember about her that were fun. Um, but like, I remember being really, really young, like one of my first memories and having done something that like a, like a little kid would do. Like I overfilled a plant that was on the floor with water and there was like water all over the floor. And I remember my mom crying about it. And when I look back on that, I think like, well, she was completely overwhelmed. Like she was not equipped to be a parent. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think both of my parents, like they really did not have the tools necessary to be parents or grownups. Um, I think sometimes you see that when, when you see a little flash of it in yourself, yeah, you know, you're not handling a situation well. And then you think about, oh, you know, my dad was like mm-hmm. 28 when he did this and, you know, what yeah. the F did I know at 28? Right. So. <clears throat> exactly. So, so I have, you know, like I said before, I have a lot of empathy for her, but mm-hmm. it, like she, she doesn't. So I saw her when I was in graduate school I went to graduate school in Pittsburgh and she called, she just called our house one day. Um, and, uh, said that she had come and she wanted to see me. And I was like, sure. Okay. Like, let's see how this goes. And, um, it helped a lot for me cause I've been waiting for a really long time for her to like come ruin my life. And she didn't, um, I was alone with the power in the situation. Um, but it also, uh, she didn't take responsibility for anything. Like she tried to tell me that the reason she went to jail is cause she was going to take me underground cause my dad wouldn't let her see me. And I was like, well, number one, like that's not true because I can like FOIA your records, but nice try. And number two, like don't tell somebody who like turned out okay and is getting a master's degree, like, oh, I was going to take you to live in the underground <laughs> and we, you know, we were just going to be on the lamb for the rest yeah. of our lives. Yeah. Oh, so bum that didn't happen. Some, yeah. Some fugitive homeschooling would have been fantastic when you finally hit the job market. Totally. But employers totally. are really like, looking for that. Some early tattoos would be really helpful. <laughs> Cigarette Always burns. some facial tattoos. Yeah. Neck tattoos. Yeah. So, so I don't know. So my, yeah, my mom is a, um, she's an interesting and it's interesting to like then, you know, become a parent myself and not really have super good examples of how to, how to be mm-hmm. and have to really think about that. Um, but I don't know. So, so, um, so what did I tell you, Mike? I said, oh, we lived in somebody's basement on the east side of Detroit, and um, or my mom did, and uh, we had a cat, and then, like, the cat got pregnant, and then there were, like, all these kittens, so I was just like, I want to stay at my mom's house forever because there were so many kittens, and then... <laughs> Like, uh, and then like, she took me with her to like drop the kittens off at the pound. And it was so horrible. It was so horrible. Um, and then like, my dad tried really hard to give me a pretty stable life, but you know, he also is a, well, he's a recovering alcoholic. So, um, so there's just a lot of, there's a lot to unpack. Goodness. Um, sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. It's, I brought it up and I wanted to talk about it because I, I thought your story was really interesting and, um, success. I mean, uh, there you got your, got your degree. You're in your moderately priced hotel room on the road for business. Um, from what I've heard, your husband is quite the catch. Oh God. Oh, do you know, I'm kind of sad. Christy's not here because I, I have a friend, um, hi Shannon, who is a 10, who has been my friend since college. And she, uh, texted me and said, is Christy wise stalking Steve? <laughs> And Depends I, how many how many dick pics did he put up on his Facebook page because then she's <laughs> definitely stopping. Oh Sorry. boy, he wouldn't Brett Favre. He would not do that. He wouldn't do that. He would not. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, I've made the guest very emotional, uh, Meredith. Uh, I, I guess it's time for me to hand her over to you, and uh, you can talk about more Detroit stuff if you like. But uh, we need to get into Colleen's uh, experiences with TBTL. Yeah. So the first question we always ask is, do you remember how you were introduced to TBTL and what was your first episode? Yeah, I do. So um, 
so I was, um, I've always been a talk radio person. Um, you can imagine that uh, after I told you all that shit about my childhood, that um, I didn't like sleep very well. And so I would always listen to talk radio at night. I had a little mm-hmm. Sony, red Sony clock radio that my, um, that my grandfather got for me that I actually still have. That, and I would listen to um, AM 760 WJR. And then uh, when I was in high school, when Michigan radio switched to a, an all news format and stopped playing classical music, then I would listen to that. So mm-hmm. I still do that. Like I, then I, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I can just kind of lay there and listen to people talk. And um, so I've always listened to a lot of talk radio. So I was a, um, a Bryant Park project listener. I was really excited about the Bryant Park project. And um, cause that's like the height of nerddom, right. To get really excited <laughs> about a new NPR mm-hmm. show. Um so I was a Brian Park Project listener, and then um, <clears throat> we had. Can I ask you about that, um, yeah. Colleen? Uh, that's how Emily came to the show, and she was excited about the Brian Park Project. And then once it started, she found it her found herself not enjoying it as much as she thought she would. And mainly, it was an Allison Stewart thing. She liked all the other, um, um, you know, reporters, producers, and of course Luke on the show, but just felt like Allison Stewart was there as as someone that the NPR bosses thought that young people would be interested in? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, um, it very quickly turned into just background stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was another reason that TBTL was great for me when I found it because it was so long. Cause I, we moved to Seattle and I had this job that I really liked, but I shared an office with this evangelical Christian who cried at least once a day, every day. And so I needed to have headphones on so that I did not have to engage her about whatever she was crying about. Um, <laughs> she also believed we did not need to recycle because Jesus was coming back soon. Um, oh, no. Oh, well, yeah. And Jesus is what, going to go through the trash and sort it for us? Is that is that what he's going to do when he comes well, back? It's that not going to matter. The reason not to recycle. Like we're going to, we're not going to be here because like we're going to get. So paid. just leave trash so around. That's not what Jesus would want. No, that's what I said. But Pack out I, your trash you know, when you get, when you get, um, raptured you should have you know a hefty bag in your hand and it should go up with you <laughs> leave no trace that's right that's right pack in pack out right so yeah. um so i uh so i remember finding out about tbtl i think from the stranger and thinking like oh that's that guy from npr and i was kind of in and out for a little while at the beginning cuz it was really hard before the advent of iPhones to really keep up with a daily podcast um and then um and then there was an article in the stranger in december 2008 about tbtl and in the article luke says something like really kind of shitty where he's like, well, if they're going to pay me six figures to just do whatever I want and just sort of talk out of my ass all night long, then you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I remember thinking, uh, wow, what an asshole. I really liked that show. And that's when I started listening full time. So this was in the radio days. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, I was able to defeat that early, like hard to podcast thing. Um, cause you would usually, I think, have to look, like stream the podcast on a laptop or something mm-hmm. like that. <clears throat> but what I did was I had uh, a cable package that had uh, the radio stations up near the top of it, and I had a DVR. And so I was DVRing um, TBTLs because I'd come home late from work, and then I'd I'd have it recorded, and I could just use my TV to play it in the background oh, while I did that's whatever. That's good. 
Yeah, I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> um, okay, do you remember which episode kind of really turned you into a 10? Or was that that Stranger article? Um, it, I think it was. So, I, you know, I listened and I, you know, when you take in a lot of audio content, there's, I, you know, you kind of, you know, you kind of go in and out and it's just sort of like, uh, things to listen to. I remember I started listening pretty religiously after that article. And then the super string episode, um, I was sitting at my desk trying to ignore uh, the crying evangelical. And when Jen started singing that song, I like sat straight upright in my chair and I was like, this is special. (laughs) And pretty much ever since then. The great part about Jen during those type of things is there, she holds not one cell back from it. I mean, she is going mm-hmm. for it. And yeah. it, it's, and I'm not like that, but it is so inspiring to see someone do that. We hear a little bit of that in the clip for today. Yes, we do. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> have you ever had any interaction with the show, like appearances or emails read or anything like that? Yeah, I had, um, I was at a Halloween party right after the show got canceled and uh, I was talking to this guy who was dressed up like a Nordic skier. And I was part of a group of fundamentalist Mormon um, housewives and um, sister wives. I think that's what we would be. And um, so I was talking to him and he started talking about Ira Glass. And I was like, oh, this radio show I listened to just interviewed Ira Glass. And we said at the same time, like, and he has to get mammograms. And um, he was like a 10 in the wild. And so we immediately called the TBTL voicemail and they played it um, on on Monday. And that was really fun. Um, Although they thought that we made a love connection, which was not true um, because I was already married to Handsome Steve. So, um, so yeah, so there was that. And then I wrote in about something actually related to Mike that got read on the air. So um, Luke told a story, Mike, about you guys watching football together and um, him saying like oh. a bunch of really horrible things. Oh and my then God. Yeah. That was, that was something else. Yeah. So I had a similar experience when I was in graduate school where I had a friend over to watch uh, uh, the Red River shootout because we had the college football direct TV package. And for those um, of you that don't know, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, they play, every year in the cotton bowl. Isn't that right, Colleen? Yes. Yeah. And it's like a lot of mouth breathing. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was, uh, so my, his name was also Steven. So my Steve was at work and, and this Steve who came over um, was like yelling like every 30 seconds, let's go horns, let's go horns. And the very well-meaning vegans who lived upstairs came down later and asked me um, if I was okay because they heard me fighting with Steve for four hours and him calling me a whore over and over again. Yeah. He was saying go horns. And by the way, you're peeing too loud. So knock that Mm -hmm. shit off. Right. Right. So, um, so that, so that was, uh, read on the air. I, I, I I think I called in, um, and they played my voicemail and then my voicemail was cut off. And so they read my email then the next day. So nice. All right. So last question is, why does TBTL matter to you? Yeah. um, I've been thinking a lot about this question and I might um, actually get kind of emotional. So um, get prepared with your tissues, Mike. Um, So, uh, you know, like when you move somewhere new and you're like trying to like make new friends and you sort of make friends who aren't like the right kind of friends, but they're like the first people who will hang out with you. And um, 
we had moved to Seattle like a year before I found TBTL. And um, we had like some friends who were kind of crappy um, and uh, a couple with drinking problems, but like they'll hang out with you all the time. Right. Uh, so um, I was kind of lonely and I was also in my mid twenties and I was trying to figure out who I was. And um, I think like we talked about earlier, I didn't have a lot of good examples of adulting. And one of the, the real consequences of the way that I grew up is that I was always seeking approval from, from people. And um, in that way, I was a lot like Luke, like I would say, or do anything to get people to like me. And like, I can't believe that there were people who were friends with me when I was in college. I was such a shit show. Um, And I would just like, like one time I pretended that I had like a mythical tenacious D bootleg to impress someone who was already my friend, um, who is also a 10. So hi, Eric, sorry about that. Um, And he still was my friend somehow. Like, um, so Wait anyway, I'm not going to let that go by. I'm not yeah. going to let that go by. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. Um, so. I, I love Tenacious D. I would have been impressed. But um, how did it play out? I mean, what was your what was your end game? And did you have <laughs> I don't to know. try to produce I don't something? Know. We worked at a Euro Comfort shoe store. And uh, he got the like first Tenacious D album the day that it came out. And he was playing it for me and my boss when there was nobody in the store. And I was trying, we were all like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I was, I guess, trying to act cool. And I was like, oh yeah, I think I have the first album. And he was like, there is not a first album. And I'm like, oh, it must've been a bootleg then. And he just looked at me like, okay. And, um, and anyway, he was in our wedding and stuff. So I guess it worked out. Um, uh, for me. So anyway, um, all to the point that the, it was, what was really life-changing for me about TBTL was, um, sincerity, the, um, just the like unabashed sincerity for liking things that Jen and Sean had. Um, and, and when I listen back as I've done the archive project and like listen to old episodes, I find it so interesting, like the, the kind of arc of Jen trying to teach Luke how to like be confident in himself and like, you know, you like what you like and, you know, it doesn't matter if everybody likes you or not. And uh, we don't all have to like everyone. And um, can't we just all enjoy the things that we love and be proud of the things that we love? And um, so I credit a lot of my personal growth to having Jen in my ear every day saying things mm-hmm. like that, even though she wasn't saying them to me. And um, it's one thing that has really been a constant throughout the show is that, you know, it's not really sarcastic and there's not a lot of irony. It's just like, here is this like cool, weird thing. And who cares if somebody thinks that it's lame? And um, and TBTL itself is this cool, weird thing. And um being able to be proud of liking something and uh, not having to feel like I have to change my taste in order to get somebody to like me uh, has really made a huge difference for me as I have grown up. And um, I mean, like therapy is really powerful too, but, um, but Jen Andrews is also uh, pretty impressive in that regard. Yeah. We, we hear that from a lot of people that, that mm-hmm. Jen is almost like a life coach um, just through the way she conducted herself and to the point of um it's this cool weird thing uh you know at first when you find when you find this show and it becomes you know more or less a part of your daily life and people ask you about it 
it, it, at first it's kind of important for you to have them like it and to have them understand it. But after a while that kind of falls away, at least it did for me. Um, cause you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you. It's, it, it's okay if TBTL is just for me and, and not all my, all my friends don't have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The downside of that though, is that we have to listen to Donovan now and then. <laughs> God, I'd never even, he wasn't even on my radar until I started uh, hearing Andrew Walsh play. And man, is that one terrible musician did, I guess I have to do a little more digging on him. He must have had some really good catchy song early in his career. And then he's just been dining out on it ever since. Cause some of that music they played from his later albums is atrocious. It sounded like it? comedy. Yeah. 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 Right. Like a parody song, but mm-hmm. no, he, he's serious. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, time to get to your clip. Uh, Colleen, was this your favorite clip or did we run through um, your complete favorites before you got to this one? This one's fabulous. Not take anything away from it, but is this your number one? Um, you know, I think I, I tried to submit super string um, and it was already being uh, oh, right. done and I had forgotten about this um, clip. And then when I was doing the archive project, it came up in my week and I was, I do a lot of archiving on airplanes cause I travel out for work and it came up and I was like, a little bit drunk on airplane white wine. And, um, and I just started, I started laughing so hard. And like, I had all these memories come back and I was like, this is the greatest clip ever. And when I reminded um, handsome Steve about it tonight before, before we started talking, uh, he was like, Oh my God, that was so good. And it made you so annoying for such a long time. So so does he listen? Is he a 10? He is. I think he's like a 10 and a half. So I won't, I won't wait. Like, I'm not going to like Mad Men TBTL so that we can mm-hmm. sit and listen to it together. But I usually play it while, um, while I'm making dinner. Um, but he's an extrovert. And so he like takes their conversation as a jumping off point and wants to talk during TBTL. Oh, oh mm-hmm. come on. Right? Steve. Yeah. So, you can't skate on these looks forever. You got to act right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's running out of time. Yep. <laughs> so, um, I guess there's there's not much more to say about it, but uh, what it is, um, what we're going to be listening to, I think is a compilation of three different segments where uh, misinterpreted lyrics or bad lyrics are discussed. Am I am I right, Colleen? This was a compilation, yeah. right? Yeah, it was. So the original, the original um, clip was, I think, two or three shows put together where. Uh, where Luke actually put like some work into uh, mm-hmm. to doing the show. So, so the the first there are three segments. The first one is them talking about Bruce Springsteen's song "The Wrestler" from the movie "The Wrestler." The second one is uh, Jen trying to uh, straighten out the lyrics to I think it was a Dolly Parton song, right? Uh, Barbara, Barbara Mandrell. Mandrell. Barbara Mandrell. Sorry, God. I, I get her, I get, uh, Jen loves Dolly Parton so much. I always think it's Dolly Parton, but it's Barbara Mandrell. And then the last part was, uh, a contestant on Bulgarian Idol who was trying to sing, uh, I can't live or is that the title of the song by Mariah Carey? I think it's just can't live. Yeah, can't yeah. live. Yeah. It's a Harry Nelson each- song though, originally. Oh, right. Yeah, you're right. 
Um, but the most familiar version is the the Mariah Carey version, and and that's why they play it during the show. But each one is funnier than the last. So yeah. I'm just going to go to that clip right now. Roll it, uh, whoever is doing this. Hopefully it's not me. Okay, we're doing uh, the awesome, not awesome here. And um, that could have been a John Wayne movie, you know, if awesome – if Awesome had been popularized, or if at least it was kind of used the same way in the 50s, there probably would have been a John Wayne movie called The Awesome and Not Awesome. <laughs> because he's in, you know, they he's in like 700 westerns. They were running out of titles. The War Wagon, McClintock, Sons of Katie Elder. I love those movies. But anyway, uh, we're doing Awesome, Not Awesome, and uh, this brings us to... Um, what are we actually calling this, this Bruce Springsteen thing? Not awesome. Not awesome. Come on! <laughs> so Bruce Springsteen wrote this uh, this new song for the movie The Wrestler, which was a, a really big deal for them because at the time it was kind of a small budget movie and to get Bruce Springsteen's approval uh, <clears throat> you know, is a really, really huge thing for them. And they, uh, I think the assumption was that it would definitely be nominated for an Oscar. It won the Golden Globe. The Bruce Springsteen song, yes. yeah, and he won for. Um, didn't he probably win for the Streets, Streets of Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. for the with from the movie Philadelphia? Um, so you know he has a long track record. This everybody loves Bruce Springsteen. Everybody thinks he's kind of the elder statesman of this kind of music. So well, and he's become. I mean, I think he's a really become a real meticulous writer. I don't know enough about his modern stuff. I I'll tell you what. I don't know if Mike Pesca's uh, listening to my voice or will hear this someday as a podcast, but um, to I before I moved to New York, I didn't understand what Bruce Springsteen love was, but like there is a level of Bruce Springsteen obsession that happens for people that were born and raised in the greater New York area, in the tri-state area, really, that is unreal. I mean, anything that Bruce Springsteen is involved with in the slightest way, they will by commit to memory have involved conversations about i'm more of a west coast bruce springsteen fan like i think thunder road is just like one of the great songs of all time well i like a lot of bruce springsteen music but i don't like i don't listen to i don't i don't have the ghost of tom jode was that the name of that mm-hmm. record that that song was on mm-hmm. i don't have much of his new stuff but you're saying that his his newer stuff like his songwriting his actual lyrics are really really right. good uh, particularly in the rising that he wrote after nine eleven. Right. He's a he's a really meticulous writer, which is why this is odd. So okay, so he writes this song for the wrestler. What's the song called? The wrestler. Oh, it's called the wrestler. Yes. Interesting title, and um, it did not get nominated for an Oscar, and that was considered a big surprise. But then our friend, uh, film savant Tom Tagney, two Carol Burnett references tonight, two savant references. <laughs> That's what people turn to for this show. It's meta to the power of. Irony. Yes. Anyway, Tom Tangney uh, was the one who pointed this out. There is a bizarre lyric in this song. I'm going to play it for you here. See if you pick it up. Have you ever seen a one-trick pony and feel so happy? Now, I should say, the movie The Wrestler is about this wrestler, Randy the Ram, who's played by Mickey Rourke, who's, you know, really beat up. He, in the movie, calls himself a broken down piece of meat. And so, and he lives in a van and uh, not down by the river, incidentally. But it's, you know, it's a story about a guy who's had a, who's, who's kind of had a hard life, somewhat of their own making. As run down as it gets, really. Yeah. As run down as an animal that's, <laughs> has fewer legs than, well, just listen. 
Have you ever seen a one-trick pony and feel so happy and free? If you've ever seen a one-trick pony, then you've seen me. Have you ever seen a one-legged dog making his way down the street? If you've ever seen a one-legged dog, then you've seen me. I think he meant <laughs> a, th- a three-legged dog. Because that would be the thing is, if you were a one-legged dog and you could make it down the street, you would be wealthy beyond all imagination. <laughs> it would be beyond like an appearance on Oprah. Oh no, no, no! It would be you. You would actually become a religious leader. You would be able to read the read the prayer for the second Obama inauguration. That would be your level of celebrity. Because a one-legged dog. Think about the balance, the strength, <laughs> the. How the limber you would need to pogo be. Pogo stick like yeah. movements. Yeah. Well, it was funny because on Friday we were driving down the street and we heard "Working on a Dream," which is the the Bruce Spring, the his new single. And as we were listening to it, I finally said, "I don't like this at all. I think this is an awful song." But I love the song from The Wrestler. And then I see in The New Yorker exactly what they wrote, which is that nobody likes "Working on a Dream," but everybody keeps talking about the final. Uh, song, which is The Wrestler, but people are really upset that it didn't get nominated. And then they sh- have that lyric and said, we haven't ever seen that, because that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen a turtle with no face? <laughs> have you ever seen a goat with no butt? <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. What's weird is that nobody stopped him. Like I can see writing that down. I I I am constantly misstating things on this show. <laughs> so I could see writing down a dog with one leg and what you mean is a dog that's missing a leg, which is it kind of heartbreaking in its own way. We've all seen that, a three-legged dog. <laughs> but that maybe it's cuz he wants to stay with the one one-trick pony. Uh-huh. It's just a poetic thing. But it it's it it's so impossible that it's comical. <laughs> I know you're in the mood of the song and you're in this melancholy place and you're thinking about people who've whose life has been so hard to. And then all of a sudden you think about this dog with one leg like pogo sticking down the middle yeah. of the road and it gets hilarious. Have you ever seen a grizzly bear with no back? <laughs> what would be back there? I don't know, but it's not a back. I, it's like a jelly. I don't. Yeah. But I that nobody in the. That Patty? Patty, where were you? Clarence. Clarence. Max. Somebody. Someone. Should say, hey, I think you mean, I think you mean three-legged dog here, my friend. Mm-hmm. He also loves, he, Bruce Springsteen has a lot of, he has a lot of empathy for dogs. You've been down like a dog that's been beat too much, then you spend half your life just a covering up. That's from Born in the USA. He really likes the... And I'm sure if I listened to more Bruce Springsteen, I would actually be able to pick out more mm-hmm. dog references. He really feels it for one-legged dogs, for dogs that have been beaten. Well, and he should have said, if, he, if, if, if the number was important, then he could have said, you know, have you ever seen a three-ring circus that's shuttered and closed down? Right. You know? There's yeah. ways to go with three if you need the three-legged dog. You don't right. just say it completely ridiculous yeah what's image. what's worse if he was con- if he if he wrote down the wrong lyric and then he just didn't ever correct it and no one in the process ever said to him that doesn't make sense or that he intentionally 
went with something that he knew didn't make sense because it was going to be too much work to go back and rewrite it as this kind of three mm-hmm. motif. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's why it didn't get nominated. I think a lot of people listened to the words and thought, huh? <laughs> it's kind of, you know... I I like this is the other than I guess when we saw the movie I heard the song a little bit I like the sound of it but I, yeah I don't know if it's Oscar worthy based on the fact that it 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 proposes a totally <laughs> a one legged dog making his way down the street Did you ever see a unicorn with no kneecaps <laughs> riding a one legged dog <laughs> I might be able to get a uh, blockbuster movie award off of that song that I wrote. <laughs> called the grappler <laughs> and it's about a sloth with no tongue <laughs> uh, the other night we got caught up talking about uh, this Bruce Springsteen song the wrestler which is on the soundtrack of the, the Mickey Rourke movie and um, it was not nominated for an Oscar and that was really surprising to a lot of people because it seems like a pretty good song, and Bruce Springsteen has a rich history of uh, winning Oscars and being nominated, and everybody loves him. And it's, you know, it's a sad song. It's a song about this guy, Mickey Rourke, who's just been beat down by life and has made a lot of mistakes, and he's just trying to, uh, in what way he can, kind of rebuild his life. Um, and uh, that's kind of what Bruce Springsteen was trying to, I think, reflect in this song. The problem, as pointed out first to us anyway by our film guy, Tom Tangney, and then later by The New Yorker, is that there is a lyric in this song that is just utterly nonsensical. Have you ever seen a one-trick pony and feel so happy and free? If you've ever seen a one-trick pony, then you've seen me. Have you ever seen a one-legged dog making his way down the street? I haven't. In <laughs> fact, I can't even find a one-legged dog, even a photo on YouTube. <laughs> I had to find a Flickr picture that was clearly an optical trick where they made it look like the dog had one leg. I don't think one-legged dogs make it that far in this world. I mean, I don't think they live very long, most of the time. And um, we couldn't figure out if it was because... He had written that lyric meaning a dog missing a leg, which we've all seen and which is always a little heartbreaking. And nobody told him all the way through the process. No one stopped and said, wait a minute, one legged dog walking down the street. That's not possible. (laughs) Or if he was just already on this kind of, um, you know, I guess uh, theme with the one, you know, one trick pony. And so he just decided to stay with it, even though it made no sense whatsoever. So we talked about this the other night, and I came up with some some alternates, and people emailed in, and and some people were offended. And they said to me, you know, sure, he's singing about a one-legged dog. Can you do better? And I mean, that hit me hard. I won't lie to you. Because it's easy for me to sit here as the host and kind of take shots. You know, curse the darkness, as they say. But can I light a torch? Could I write about other animals that were in a tough spot, maybe, and maybe even do a better job than than, uh, than Mr. Bruce Springsteen. So I don't know. I, I sat down and I I penned a few uh, that I thought, you know, pro- at least rival a one-legged dog walking down the street. And so... Um, You're going to perform them? Well, I thought I would... I just thought I would... First, I was just going to read them for everyone 
But then I thought, that's not fair to me because they're hearing they're hearing Bruce Springsteen Bruce Springsteen sing beautifully over beautiful music, and then I have to just come in here dry, you know, with mm-hmm. no with no accompaniment. So I thought I would just go through a couple of these, and I want to get some feedback from Sean, from you, and from Jen on um, you know if I'm going in the right direction. This is one of the first. This is my first foray into songwriting. I had a foray into rap writing last summer, which didn't go well. I lost to Jen, the whitest of the white. <laughs> um, and so uh, I'm, I'm a little, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little nervous here. But um, I don't know. I just, I think I can do at least as, as well as Bruce Springsteen did talking about a one-legged dog walking down the street. So here's some stuff I wrote. Have you ever seen a cheetah with no kneecaps Stiffly running after antelopes <laughs> If you've ever seen a... I want to compete with Bruce. Yeah, it's, it immediately got better when he started singing. <laughs> all right, that's all right. So that was that was try number one. Have you ever seen a, a, a cheetah with no kneecaps? It's heartbreaking. I don't know if you've ever been in the Serengeti. Okay. <laughs> Here's another thing that here's another animal that could find themselves in kind of a tight spot. <laughs> Have you ever seen a porpoise with dandruff not wearing black turtlenecks? <laughs> I like how he said porpoise. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. That really took me there. Didn't it? Didn't it? I mean, what a heartbreak. What a heartbreak that would be. And I think also, I think it would accurately uh, mirror Mickey Rourke's character in the film The Wrestler. You know, mm-hmm. there was things about him that seemed porpoisey, <laughs> but you looked at that hair; it was very stringy. You thought might have dandruff. He lives in a van, <laughs> and Mickey Rourke did have a porpoise mm-hmm. to wrestle. Yep. Have you ever seen a sheep with astigmatism holding a Chinese dinner menu really close to its face? <laughs> astigmatism doesn't get into lyrics very often, so it's, that's it's, special right there. Because nothing rhymes with it other than numismatism <laughs> and a song about a sheep that can't see and someone who collects coins. <laughs> You know, maybe the flaming lips could make that all work, but uh, it's it's very challenging. Uh, all right, here's another. Here's another. And you know, I also want to say, I just wrote these. I had like five minutes. I wrote these down on the back of a napkin. So I'm sorry if they're not as good as Bruce Springsteen's. I think they're not bad. <laughs> Have you ever seen a fruit fly with halitosis, obviously ruining yet another speed dating session? <laughs> it was supposed to be obliviously ruining yet another speed dating session, but I got, I'm nervous. This is my first time. This is my first attempt at songwriting. Um, okay, we're, um, we're about halfway. We're about halfway through here, so... Have you ever seen a rabbit with erectile dysfunction <laughs> pretending to fall asleep before his wife gets to bed? <laughs> now that is devastating. If you're a rabbit in yeah. particular, talking yeah. about hitting them where you live. Yeah. 
I mean, when you, you're the actual example. Yeah. yeah, you basically have one one job and one job only, and that's <laughs> that's um. This next one, I started. You know, obviously, the ones that I've already I've already sung for you are kind of. I mean, they're they're sort of they're sort of no brainers. I mean, most people have you know seen a sheep with astigmatism. I, I went out the porpoise with dandruff. That's one that's really sticking in my mm-hmm, heart right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of went out on a limb with this next one. This next one is, I'm not sure, but we're blue sky in here, you know, huh. no bad ideas. We're just running up the flagpole, seeing if we catch the wind. So I hope you guys will bear with me. This one was a m- more experimental. Have you ever seen a badger with a single giant toenail? Wishing he could wear flip-flops without being made fun of? Maybe. <laughs> I, you know, because I have. And if you've seen that, then you've seen me. All right. Um, <laughs> with two more. Two more. Um, <laughs> this one, this one Vanessa helped me with. Which it might make it much better or might worse, much worse. I don't you know. You will have to share the songwriting credit. On That's this right. One, she gets half so. the money from this if mm-hmm. this gets picked up. Mm-hmm. And if everyone hates it, then... I'm blaming it on her, but if they love it, I'm going to say that she was mostly just an inspiration. Uh, okay. I've already got that. I've, that's the part of songwriting that I understand very clearly. <laughs> if it's a hit, it was my idea. And if it if it stunk, I was just, you know, trying to save somebody else's. Have you ever seen a weevil with athlete's foot itching his toes with a rusty tuna can? A weevil. <laughs> a weevil doesn't have toes. Really? What's a weevil? That's what's so heartbreaking the little, about it. I mean, that's the what hurts tiny the most bugs for them. They get inside flour and makes it go bad. Like a bull weevil. Oh. They ruin crops. Didn't know that. Well, no one's ever seen it. No. I was right. see. I was considering. Have you ever seen a weevil with athlete's foot uh, itching his toe with a broken plastic protractor? <laughs> But that was that's what I used to use when my dogs were barking. Um, um, so, and then this is the last one, and this 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 one is just you know, again, pretty straightforward. Have you ever seen a tiger with irritable bowel syndrome making another trip to the bathroom at the baseball game? Have <laughs> you? That one's from the heart, huh? That is really from yeah. the heart. <clears throat> that one kind of I was the tiger in that story. You know? There was some transference there. Yeah, not not <laughs> not just some, kind of a lot. So anyway, um I think you've proven that yeah, you critics can go toe to toe. Critics consider yourselves rebuffed <laughs> because uh I think it's pretty clear that, that I, I also I also can uh, you know, I can I can throw down lyrically with with the best of them, or at least with the boss. Um, uh, let's take a break. <laughs> I need to get. I, was a, that was a little that last one about the tiger with IBS. That was for me emotional, and I I need a moment here um, just to gather in sure. the Winsletian sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, gather. gather, gather. I need to gather. <laughs> so uh, well, we'll just take you out with some of the original, some of the Bruce. In just a moment. Have you ever seen a one-trick pony and feel so happy and free? If you've ever seen a one-trick pony, then you've seen me. 
Have you ever seen a one-legged dog making his way down the street? If you've ever seen a one-legged dog, then you've seen me. Then you've seen me. I come and stand at every door. You've seen me. A lot of times we start in on a topic, and I think to myself, this is just going to be complete mind arsony. And then it kind of, I wouldn't say it falls flat, but, you know, we say our little piece on it and we move on and that's sort of the end of it. And then every once in a while, we're just talking about something and it becomes uh, some kind of sensation with our listeners. And this first little thing we're going to play for you is exactly that. Um, Jen, you're a big Barbara Mandrell fan and mm-hmm. you're particularly fond of this one song. Since we're playing some of our favorite things for it tonight, we figured we might as well kick it off with this little bit of a, a Barbara Mandrell uh, soda and uh, salty snack related trivia. Enjoy. Barbara Mandrell, who I didn't know for most of my life was a singer. I thought she was a pretty lady who who uh, did commercials for Crisco. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wasn't that what it was? Or Pam? Yeah, Crisco. I think you're right. And and I and I just thought that's the kindly Crisco lady. But no, she's a singer, in fact, and quite a singer at that. And she was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame this uh, week, right? Right. And uh, when I was young, I used to check out albums from the library. Uh huh. And once we checked out the Barbara Mandrell album, because mm-hmm. she was a pretty lady, just mm-hmm. like you just said. I mean, yeah. literally, it was like, oh, she's pretty. So we, we got that album, me and my sister, and we took it home. And we played it, and there was a song on it called I Was Country When Country Wasn't Cool. And it became like our rallying cry and we lived in seattle we didn't know anyone from the country nor had we ever been to the country but we wished so badly that we too had been country before it got cool we didn't yeah. even know country was cool but apparently it was cool and she had gotten on the bandwagon early and we'd missed it entirely and we would sing along with all of our hearts all of these lyrics that i think have a lot of deep meaning to people who live in the country but yeah. we didn't know what any of them meant. well you lived on sunset hill and ballard right? right so that's a little far from the country considered the nashville of but we sang it with area. twang. We sang every single word with all of our hearts, just like she did. But we didn't know what we were doing. All right, let's hear. About. Let's hear a little bit of it. You just you pause when okay. you need to when you need to kind of uh, give a little bit of uh, footnoting. I remember wearing straight leg Levi's, flannel shirts, even when they weren't in style. Did you do any of those things? No. <laughs> I remember singing with War Rogers. Don't know who that is. When the West was really wild. That sounds scary. In the 1700s? <laughs> I was listening to the Opry. Don't know what that is. Grand Old. I didn't know that, though. Oh, I'd never yeah. heard of it. You were, what, nine or yeah, ten? I had no idea what the Opry was. All of my friends were digging rock and roll and rhythm and blues. That sounds thrusty. <laughs> but she just sang about just... Not knowing about it sounds to me thrusty. I was country when country was you know, there is some truth in this for you, though, because the real explosion of of country, of popular country music probably happened in, what, the late 80s? Yeah, 89, 90. Was when Garth Brooks came through. I remember your sister. Oh. I can sing every song off of No Fences yeah. on account of your sister, on account of you. We spent the night in sleeping bags in front of the old Tower Records um, on Mercer to get tickets when you used to have to buy them you know, in person. Right, Garth but I'm Brooks. saying you were kind of, in, in terms of, and uh, forgive me, this is going to sound severe, 
Mm-hmm. But you were country before it was popular. If we're talking about pretty mainstreamed pop musicified country, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like sure. like like you were on that wave, which has is been sustained. It's it's very very popular music in most of the country. And I was liking Barbara Mandrell in the yeah. very very early eighties. So I don't think you were that far <laughs> off in this song. I'm I'm serious. Now, this is where it gets interesting because she sings that name, George Jones, with all this kind of reverence and important. The crowd goes crazy. And so we would sing it like that as if we were singing of the Jesus Christ himself. You know, we'd be like, turning down George Jones. And then would would the other one go, I mean, we were just crazy for this song, but we had no idea who George Jones was. But we knew he was important, and that crowd loved him, and he was yeah. country before country was cool. There are a couple songs where the cheering, if you can get someone to do the cheering for you, it really puts a song over. The other one that comes to mind for me is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mr. Elton John. <laughs> you'll come for the singing, you'll stay for the... <laughs> That's the one that really stumped us. And to this day, we talk about it. Why was she putting peanuts in her coat? She said penis. <laughs> no, I've listened to it many times. It's peanuts. Is that some kind of insulation? I don't know what that means. Why would you put peanuts in your coat? In your pocket. You're stealing them. When she, no one was oh, looking. stealing? When no one was looking, I'd put peanuts in my coat. Where are there open mounds of peanuts to the steal? The South. <laughs> Seriously, anywhere in the south. I'm not kidding. There are places like there's there are bars famously where you get to throw peanut shells on the floor, and you you go in there and they've got oh. lots of. And in fact, it's even in restaurants like there's this burger joint in the D.C. area that I love called Five Guys, and they have big things of of peanuts. It is not where you want to go if you have a nut allergy, because they're everywhere. Okay, so she was stealing peanuts. She was stealing in a bar. peanuts, or yeah, which why she was in there as a baby or a toddler. <laughs> We still haven't quite figured out. That's you singing. That was really that was good. That me singing along. I was, I was kind of glancing over at my computer, and I just thought that this was the part where the backup vocals came in. Well, there's a guest singer about to show up, and that's when it gets interesting. They're going crazy. Do you know who that is? George Jones. Sebastian Bach. (laughs) That is George Jones, who, and we had Uh no idea, so everyone's going crazy for George Jones. Do you understand what's happening to the phones right now? I know, I'm scared. What do you think that is? We must, we have to be messing something up horribly. Horribly. I'm sorry. Maybe I just... that isn't George Jones. I thought that was George Jones, and that's why it's so cool, because earlier she quoted George. She said George uh, Jones. Um... Ahoy, ahoy. Hi, you're on TBTL. Hello? Hi, you're on the radio. What are you calling about? Oh, I was just going to comment on the... They are talking about the peanuts, putting the peanuts in the coat. Yeah. And they air or anything, but... Uh, just pass along that that was actually also a euphemism for small change. So she was probably oh, yeah. also re- referencing that she didn't have very much money. So she was probably putting peanuts. Could, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for the yeah, info. Hey, you're Pre- welcome. Appreciate it. 
I guess I won't go through every line here, but this is totally bizarre. There are at this point six lines. The country is that representing just lit up at nine fifteen on a Friday night, just out of the blue. I mean, I don't think we've ever had that many calls in the history of the show. It makes me worried that we went off the air, or we just went on the air after this whole thing has been some kind of uh, Kaiser Solse esque Usual Suspects fake radio show that we thought we were hosting. Man. Well, anyway, congratulations to Barbara Mandrell. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I like that music, actually. Like, I, I really... I love that I, song. I, 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 um, I will listen to that any day over a... Um, over a uh, who's the one that sounds like the other one? Remember we played the two and they were just like Jessica each other? Jessica Simpson and Kelly Pickler. Yeah. I would just... I think that Barbara Mandrell stuff is awesome. I love that slide guitar. I'm into it. So, uh, so good for her. Yeah. Making it in. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a short break and uh, maybe talk to some of these people on the phone. I'm really curious. Is it just that people want to talk about Barbara Mandrell? She is beloved. Or you did know. we make some kind of grievous, <laughs> grievous error? Okay. We'll take a quick break and then we'll come back, do some music for your weekend, have a quick chat with our friend, the less silent by the day, Nick, and uh, do some more TVTL in a moment. I was putting peanuts in my all right, all right, thank you. Thank you, thousands of callers. I have now seen the light. Peanuts in my Coke, which in the South, and I did know this part, could just mean any soft drink, including an RC Cola, anything else would be called a Coke. Apparently, this is what I'm hearing from people from all over the South. And by the way, who knew we had such a uh, such a group of uh, Southerners that listened to TBTL at 9 o'clock on a Friday, but... People would get a packet of salted peanuts. They would pour that packet into their soda, and they would drink it like their hero, Barbara Mandrell. So thank you, everybody, for correcting us. And uh, <laughs> now we know, uh, and knowing is half the battle. My name is Luke Burbank. We get sponsorship from Chateau Saint-Michel. They are located in Woodenville, Washington. I was at uh, Barolo uh, yesterday enjoying... Too many glasses of Chateau Saint-Michel. Is there, Flash, I know this is supposed to be an ad for Chateau Saint-Michel, but is there a place that's friggin' better than the Barolo happy hour? No. The, the happy hour can't be beat, and it starts at 3. I know. It's dangerous. <laughs> dangerous stuff. Anyway, uh, Chateau Saint-Michel, they, uh, they're they the maker of many delicious wines. We hear all the time from uh, the tens of listeners who uh, uh, enjoy it from sea to shining sea. If you happen to... Maybe live in a remote mountain cabin, not near a grocery store or a wine shop. You can order and have it delivered to your remote mountain cabin via uh, the uh, the postal service or, I don't know, FedEx. I'm not sure who they actually use. But the way you get that going is you go to tbtl.net. On the right side of the page, you click on the uh, Chateau Saint-Michel button, and uh, you uh, you order that stuff right up. You can also join the Vintage Reserve Club, which you pay a quarterly fee, and they just mail you wine, cool wine, too, like new stuff they're trying out and old stuff they're trying out, and all kinds of exciting things. Chateau Saint-Michel, they're the official wine sponsor of TBTL. Chateau Saint-Michel, Woodenville, Washington. Now we are back. I'm happy to report to Web Gems. And these are the little uh, fun things we have up at our website. Our website, which is uh, mynorthwest.com slash TBTL. And uh, this brings us to kind of our our gemmiest web gem tonight. This is a video from Bulgarian Idol. 
I think it's called Pop Idol or something. Uh, though They don't call it American Idol when they're in Bulgaria because it's not the American Idol. It's the Bulgarian Idol. Uh, and Jen, who sent this? Uh, did somebody send us this video? Yes, Madhu. Oh, okay. Our friend Madhu in Boston uh, sent us this video. And it's, uh, well, it's kind of amazing. But I hadn't heard the song in question, the original song in question. So first, I thought we'd just give people a little taste of that. Uh, this uh, gal uh, who's on Bulgarian American Idol tryouts. I guess that's ridiculous when I say Bulgarian American Idol. She's trying <laughs> out music for, idol. She's trying out for music idol in Bulgaria, and uh, she's going to sing a Mariah Carey song. And the original Mariah Carey song is called "Without You," and, and uh, it sounds a lot like this. Beautiful stuff, Jennifer. How did you know this song off the top of your head? This is a Delilah classic right here. Do you really listen to Delilah? If I'm in the car late at night, everyone listens to Delilah. It's a classic dedication to my husband who's over in Iraq right now. Dear Casey, I had a love. And lost him. <laughs> he was everything to me. <laughs> all right, so this is uh, some warm and wonderful music that Jennifer and uh, soccer moms all over the world enjoy. Can't live. I listen to Delilah. I didn't say too. I enjoy it. Oh, okay, I but just you know, know it. it. You, you recognize it. You recognize <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's not a favorite. All right, so that's uh, and I do listen to Delilah, but in a perverse sort of way. I get I get an odd joy out of it, even though I. Mostly because her song dedications never match the situation, ever. Well, she's following in the tradition of Casey Kaysen, because they would always be like, he lives now only in my memories. Could you please play Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard? <laughs> like a really sad song about somebody's husband who you know passed away or was in Iraq or whatever. Uh, all right, so back to... Uh, music idol in Bulgaria. So this young lady walks in. Valentina. The, Valentina in front of the uh, judges there. And she's going to sing the Mariah Carey song, Without You. Although she doesn't exactly know the lyrics because she doesn't speak English. And she's just learned it phonetically. And she's pretty sure that when Mariah Carey's singing, I can't live, that Mariah Carey's really singing about somebody named Ken Lee. Now the judges are going, uh, Ken Lee, Ken Lee. And then one female judge says, do you mean without you? And the woman says, no, no, no. No. Ken no, 
Now it should be pointed out she's not singing Bulgarian. No, she's not singing, and she's singing in English. She's, she's, she learned it. She said that she played it on a cassette tape over and over and over the Mar- Mariah Carey version and learned it. And I have to say, her fake phonetic English is better than my fake phonetic Bulgarian. Sure. So I'm not here to diss. Yes, he's so. Whoa. Is that is that Chloe Latanzi? <laughs> Did she say Yabadabadu? I'm pretty sure that was Flintstone. Now, at this part in the YouTube video where we got this, they intercut it with the actual song, just yeah. to remind us of the of what Mariah sounds like. That's the Bulgarian girl. <laughs> well, Ken Lee. At the end, they said, Was that English? And she said, Yes, English. <laughs> Ken, Ken Lee is a heartbreaker. I think that that's what's going on reported in this story. is... Uh, well, Jen, it actually s- reminded me vividly of the time when um, La Bamba came out and all uh-huh. the American kids driving around in their cars going, La, 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 la Bamba. You know? Totally. Totally. I and mean, it's easy to diss except for like, how's your Bulgarian? Exactly. Right? For like everyone who wants to make fun. But Jen, you said that actually it, uh, it, it got better because they brought her back out later or something. Like they didn't just – because the judges right. were cracking up at right. her Ken Lee – well, this is all pretty recent. I mean, that, that um, audition was in February, and then just in just in March, they let her come back and try again. And she oh. had she had listened to it many more times and had gotten the can't live down. But you, do we, was, is that does that tape exist? It does. I could get some for us. Okay, let's later do this. Let's take a break. <laughs> we come back. Let's let's just hear the uh, her really practiced and worked out version of Ken Lee, and then. We'll talk about uh, Shawnee and Jen and I about our uh, some of our worst lyrical mess ups because you know we've all had them. Uh, we're gonna take a break. It's TBTL News Talk seven ten Cairo. Hey, this is Matt Hasselbeck. You're listening to uh, what is this? Too beautiful to live. Yeah, I don't know. On News Talk seven ten Cairo. When I was doing the show from L.A. last week, the engineer down there was actually a fabulously nice guy, but I don't know if you know he moderately into what was going on, but then that drop played, and he heard Matt Hasselbeck, famous NFL quarterback, saying the name of the show and me, and he just, like, perked up. I could tell he had 150% more respect for me. Even though it's a diss. Yeah, even though it's a diss. The fact that I was even dissed by Matt Hasselbeck was just (laughs) enough to really impress that guy. It's TBTL. We're talking about uh, messing up the lyrics and also web gems, because we've got something that really embodies both of those things. At our website, MyNorthwest.com, we've got video of Valentina... Yes. She was trying out for Music Idol. That's the Bulgarian version of American Idol. And she was singing a Mariah Carey song that's called Without You, the main part of it being I Can't Live Without You. She thought it was a a song about someone named Ken Lee because she had learned it phonetically. So they brought her back, and they had a a lot of fun with her. They were all laughing. She seemed ridiculous. She came back and sang the song, and here's what it sounded like when she actually had learned the lyrics. Just the way the story goes. 
the way the story go. But, you know, she's close. She's way better. She's a lot better. Okay, so let me just jump forward to the actual Ken Lee. So she did good on If yeah. Living Is Without You, but she's not putting a, a V on Ken Lee. It's still Ken Lee. It's still Ken, Ken Lee. I can't get anymore. The crowd is with her, though. So it's a little better, I guess. Yeah. All right. So we we thought we'd run through some of our embarrassing uh, lyrical mess ups. Yeah, because if we're gonna, you know, yeah, have fun with Valentina, Valentina, we have to. We go should all ourselves. talk about the time when I went on American Idol and <laughs> exactly. messed up my lines. Uh, so, Shawnee, what what song comes to mind when you think of messed up lyrics for yourself? Um, well, I guess I'd say the Scorpions. Um, <laughs> well, minus all like the Nirvana songs, pretty much. <laughs> I didn't even want to go there. But um, uh, the Scorpions, Winds of Change. Oh, that's a beautiful song. It I brought down it. the wall. Seriously. <laughs> that song was that's a big right. part of what brought down the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Why would you disrespect it like that? Sean, can you play a little for yes. us? Right, he's singing about going down to Gorky Park, that's in Moscow, and whistling about the winds of change, right? Pretty straightforward. Right. What happened? What happened? Yeah, to you. What did you think it was? Oh, I always think he was saying, like, Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> like, you he went know. down to go- Donkey Kong? Yeah, I'll show it. I, it's more... It's you really... sing along with it and sing Donkey <laughs> well, Kong. Well, this part, even before, I don't even know what the hell he's saying. <laughs> Follow this is I love Donkey Kong. <laughs> so wait a second. It's Germany's number one band, Scorpions, is singing a song about the winds of change. You knew it was called Winds of Change, right? Yes. And it was. A, it had all these overtones because this was as uh, as the Soviet Union was crumbling, and they just thought they'd throw in a Donkey Kong reference. <laughs> Maybe they like their old school eighty video games, as I do. <laughs> All right, Jennifer, oh. what was uh, mine, you, have, you have a million. Yes, yes, but the one that's most interesting is uh, Men at Work. Uh, Sean, can you play a little? I met a strange lady. She made me nervous. She took me in and gave me breakfast. And she said, Do you come from a land down So, so. The, the worst part is that it's the title of the song. Yeah. It's Down Under. Yeah. And I, I, I come knew... from a land down under. They're from Australia. Right. Sean, can you start it again and I'll sing what I thought it was? I'm a strange lady. She made me breakfast. Oops. Me in and made me breakfast. She said, I come from a land out of love. A what? A land out of love. I thought it was a land that had run out of love. <laughs> Do you come from a land out of love? And I would just sing it with all my heart because I thought, how sad. This is a whole land out of love. But ev- every everything that everyone knew about Men at Work was they were from Australia because I don't think Australia had even been discovered until a few years before that. <laughs> I remember in the 80s it was big news. They were from Australia. They were from the land down under. And the worst part about this story is that that was probably when I was 14, and I sang it that way. I mean, and you know how I sing loud. Yeah, you know? yeah with one hand up. 
Come like from Whitney. Land out of love. I would sing it with all my heart. And then How when I was you? about 24, somebody told me that it was a land down under. I bet you probably even sang it at karaoke. Well, oh, you sure. couldn't have. Well, no, because I would have had the words. If I sang it in my car, I sang it at school. I mean, if that would come up, men at work, I'd be like, I love men at work. I come from a land out of love. Oh, Jennifer. <laughs> all right, we're, we're short on time, but Shawnee here, just let's just go out with mine. It's Super Tramp. And I'll just sing it. So you think you're a Romeo? Bang a pod in a picture show. <laughs> the worst part is I had a totally involved picture in my mind of one of those like old timey like Monty Python paper cutouts of a like a kid, like a young kid with no shirt on, who was banging a pot in like an old time picture show. Oh, that is great! And I was singing along in my Honda Civic very loud one time, and a guy pulled up next to me on Aurora and looked at me and just shook his head. <laughs> I was banging a pot in a picture show. <laughs> All right, that's it for this hour. We've got a break for news. When we come back, uh, awesome, not awesome. It's TBTL. It's working. It's working. All right, thanks for listening, you guys. We'll see you real soon. Uh, until we meet again, please remember, no mountain too tall. And good luck to all. Indeed. Okay, if you've got a dog, a one-legged dog, say this dog does exist. There is a one-legged dog. The problem is, is you're not going to see this dog unless someone like, once I saw someone taking their crippled dog out in, in a wagon, you know, and taking it for a walk in a wagon, that was cool. Maybe it had one, one leg. I didn't, I didn't see how many legs the dog had, but if you see a one-legged dog, you no one but the owner of that one-legged dog is really going to see that dog because that dog, you know, it's homebound. Unless it has one of those little cute carts attached to its back. Right, side. you're talking about a millionaire dog owner that can yeah. get yeah. themselves a dog scooter. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be sadly shuffling down the road. <laughs> The funniest thing about this part of the show is it's absolutely true. There is a song where a guy says one-legged dog. Yes. The fuck is that? Sorry, Aid. It's not even a misheard lyric. This is just a stupid lyric. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. So I did some Google image searching and uh, did find a picture of a one-legged dog, which I've just (laughs) sent to you guys. Oh, I gotta look at that. It's really cute. It's is really it cute, cute or is it? It's weird though. It's I don't think it's photoshopped, but I mean it. Oh no, that kind of looks real. Oh, I don't know. I bet he can do it. He looks like he can do it. He looks so Pogo eager. Stick. Yeah, I don't know though. He looks athletic. I think this this guy too. can do it. I wonder he's if got, he was born that way. He's focused on something. He's cute. Well, oh, guys, you've seen this picture now. You've seen me. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So born in the USA, <clears throat> Springsteen seems to have a thing for dogs. Because like, in Born in the USA, he says, like a dog that's been beat too much. That lyric has always bothered me. Like mm-hmm. there's a proper amount of beating for a dog. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is that? What call yourself a dog lover? No wonder your dog has one leg. You've been well, beating it. If it's just a rolled up newspaper, like does it count? That's a smack. Well, okay, okay. That's so what's a, beating what's a, a dog beat? is like beating a person. Just you know, oh, okay. Just you know, like wailing them. on it. Yeah. yeah.
Okay. Oh, I got a little worked up there. I, I love dogs, so. <clears throat> My favorite part, I think, of this first clip was Luke's uh, new lyrics that he wrote. Yes. And you could tell he was just doing it to make Jen laugh. And that's like, that's my favorite TBTL is when, when Luke's just being a goof. She was delighted. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love it so much in retrospect. And when it was happening, it really stuck in my head for some reason. So, um, so I, I had forgotten completely about this, but um, when I listened to it on the airplane, I remembered that for like a couple of weeks after this, I just, it was like the only thing that I talked about. So wherever we were, I would be like, have you ever seen a narwhal with only one testicle? (laughs) And like, nobody understood what I was doing. So like everyone was like, what, like stop it. And we were at um, the stumbling monk with our friends and my friend Rick just like stood up from the table and like yelled at me. He was like, you have to fucking quit it. Stop it. Stop it with the animals. And I was like, but it's so funny. This is why you need other tens in your life. Exactly. This is why it's so important. Because you can't, once you start, you can't stop. Like once Mm -hmm. you start thinking and there's a Tumblr called them sad animal facts and they're like real things about animals, but they're like, she draws these animals that are like really sad, you know, like, koalas have extra thumbs so they can never give all thumbs up um (laughs) stuff like that so i think about that all the time now uh, when i look at it on instagram uh all right so then they moved on to what was the middle one meredith barbara mandrell oh right right country Um, before country was cool yeah and they made a good point It doesn't matter who you are. If you can get that <sighs> when you're being introduced, then everyone will just think you're great. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, got to walk around with that like a fanfare behind you. Like we don't know who Will Rogers is, but everyone else seems to like him. So right. it must be cool. This, this guy must be fantastic. Listen to these people. <laughs> um, wh- Did you guys hear the, the, I forgot. I, I know I had listened to this when it, when it aired, but I also thought they were saying peanuts in your coat. Yeah, it sounded like it. It really did sound like it. And I didn't know about this peanuts in your Coke thing. Yeah, I found out about it just through the show, and then I've heard about it since I've been down here. It's I haven't seen it at all since I've been in Texas. Well, I haven't seen it, but I've, I know people talk about it. Do you but put them in, in your Coke to make the peanuts taste better or the Coke taste better? I think it just, um, like, it doesn't sound terrible to me because I love salt. Right. So I think it just makes makes your drink kind of salty. And then I guess you eat the soggy peanuts at the end. I'm not sure what the etiquette is. Mike, do you like your peanut shells? No. Okay. No, I didn't like where that sentence was going for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) I just want you. I had a like went through a phase as a child where I would like eat the the shells themselves because I all I wanted. All I was in it for was the salt. Was the salt. I did that when I was a kid, too. So good. Did you eat Play-Doh? No, I never thought of doing that. I should have done it. No, I didn't eat Play-Doh. Super salty. I ate chapstick. Oh. <laughs> Such small portions. I know. Like it was unsatisfying. Flavored yeah, chapstick? Exactly. Like lip smackers? Or yeah, just I remember out? distinctly I liked the orange kind. It was like a creamsicle. Yeah. Yeah. When I eat a chapstick, I always want another chapstick like 10 minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that MSG <laughs> 
Um, let's see what what else did I have on that on the second one? Um, oh, the term thrusty, which has been lost in in the in the history of TVTL. Jen didn't like things very thrusty. Um, also, uh, I wanted to give you guys my big mistake in lyric that you know for my whole life. I don't. I never really cared for Neil Diamond, but he's sort of ubiquitous. So you would hear his music everywhere. You know, my parents liked it and it would be on the radio and, you know, even like playing in stores and, and stuff. So I, I've heard enough Neil Diamond to know the songs, to know the popular songs and forever in blue jeans um, until probably fairly recently when I saw it in print, I thought it was Reverend Blue Jeans. <laughs> Because I don't really listen to the rest of it. It's like, da, ba, da, 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 da. Reverend Blue Jeans. So like one of those cool guys who, who wears jeans. Yes. Right, a, right, a like a megachurch pastor. <laughs> <laughs> With a guitar, man. And he's cool, And an affliction man. t-shirt. Right. Uh, mine, do, do you guys have any? Yeah, mine. And this is unforgivable. But, but I, in my defense, this song came out in... August of 1985, I was three years old, and it is Starship. We built this city, and what I thought they built the city on was the wrong damn road. <laughs> See, now that's a very identifiable problem. I, I like that better <laughs> than building a city on rock and roll. What the fuck is that? Well, it's more structurally sound, no matter what, if it's the wrong or the right road. <laughs> definitely, definitely, you know. <laughs> Maybe you've maybe you don't have the proper permits and you're gonna have to take it back down. But I guess it depends on what kind of city you want, right? <laughs> right. Your downstairs neighbor is just horrible when you build that city on rock and roll. Like, <laughs> oh come on, I worked a double shift. I just want to go to sleep. City council meeting. Why did I take this worst. apartment up, above rock and roll? <laughs> oh. uh, Colleen, you have one? No, you know, my dad listened to jazz. Oh, no. oh boy. Yeah. He was on his media. Yeah. I really admired him until now. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> he listened to jazz. And then when he came to Michigan for a wedding and like stayed with us for a week, he downloaded like 70 Almond Brothers songs to my laptop. And so um, we just don't like talk about music. He's like, his <laughs> other interest is Frank Zappa. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. A lot of noodling. All right. So the third part of it was Bulgarian Idol. Uh, the, the, what I need to stress here, as Jen said, that everyone has listened to or does listen to to Delilah. I've never encountered Delilah on the radio dial ever in my life. Oh, I Oh, yeah, she's on Warm 106.9. I, I know how popular she is, but how is it that I've never never run across it? Not listened to one minute of it. I used to work second shift when I was in college and this was before iPods and I don't even know. I must have had a CD player, but I was a big radio listener. In those days, and it wasn't my style of music, but it would be on the, the the station I had been listening to on my way to work, and so I would usually listen to Delilah on my way home, at you know eleven at night. There wasn't anything else you were more interested in. You and was it all songs like Ken Lee? 
<laughs> I don't, you know, where I grew up, it was either that or BBC. That's what what it was going on oh, at I love that, that time BBC of night. World Service. I love to imitate those guys. I love it now. I didn't love it then. Yeah, I like to say like people's names that I know, and I turn them into BBC reporters, like my stepson, Colin Nash, BBC World Service. Oh, that's good. Colin Nash with sport. Yeah, just the the yeah. I mean, it all sounds so fucking smart. I listened mm-hmm. to it when. Uh, like the last nine months that I was in prison, I was in um, a high rise and, you know, couldn't get out of the cell most of the time. And so lockdown was like nine. So I would start listening to BBC World Service and I just loved it. I it, Those people will put you to sleep. That and a little Benadryl. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that I have been listening to it all night long every night since I was probably like 16. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Unless they're doing like a deep dive into some sort of refugee situation and they do mm-hmm. like babies crying in the background or yeah. every so often there's like a music show, but it's real bad. Yeah, you got to if they if they just lay off the natural sound, if they just if, if it's just them talking and reporting, it's fantastic. And the world I mean, music. <laughs> oh, world, world music. Oh, no, I can't talk about world music. <laughs> that's that's. World music is to me as jazz is to Meredith. Mm-hmm. I cannot take it. I just can't take it. And most of it is just the people I know are enjoying it. Somehow I just stop enjoying it. You're not really enjoying it. Do you ever have things like that where you just think there's no way? That's how I feel about Thistle and Shamrock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But My parents Byrne, listen to that. He listens to world music, right? Like David Byrne and Paul Simon. Right. They, they right. listen to it. Paul Simon, yeah, he veered. He veered. Um, so, Bulgarian Idol. The the it is so funny that I I was listening to it on the couch. Emily was making crocheting a a shark today, and I was listening on the couch on my earbuds, and I was laughing so hard that she insisted that I unplug, <laughs> go back to the beginning of the Bulgarian Idol thing, and play it for her, and we were crying laughing uh, but it it is it's sort of inspiring because they gave her the lessons and she you know she still let her sing. come back she but still they let her come sing. back and try again that was so great but she she got some of the phrases right and she you know she could be understood if you were really trying the, the second time she was still off key and her vo- voice oh wasn't very good God. and when the well the, the crowd the crowd started and the crowd was actually you know that helped way better yeah yeah she needed that support yeah it was heartwarming as well as hilarious but luke had a good point i mean her fake english is way better than any of our fake bulgarian <laughs> yeah but, our fake- but i wouldn't go i wouldn't go on a, a, a national television show and try to sing a bulgarian song true <laughs> true our fake bulgarian is just like the the fake german that the terrorists and die hard have right like it all just sounds ridiculous insulting have, probably yeah we have nothing to base it off of whereas yeah. like she had real emotion going into that mm. um the last thing they did was they they did their uh they did their mistaken lyrics and one that i forgot uh to tell you to tell you guys the, the, jen was um was it land down under the men at work mm-hmm. song Mm-hmm. Or Down Under. I can't remember the exact title of the song. But um, I always thought that they were saying, uh, women blow and men thunder. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty racy lyric. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it turns out it's glow and plunder. But so when they started it, when they started talking about mistaken lyrics in that song, I thought that's where they were going to go. Mm-hmm. And I, but then no, it was a different. It was just she she blew it on a whole other yeah. level. Than yeah, I, that was surprising. It's a land out of love. I never would have heard that, and I no. still don't really hear it. No, it did, it still didn't work, right? No, it speaks really to the goodness of her heart more than anything else that she would insert love into a song and you Mike would insert blow (laughs) into it. I was like, I got to get to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) I was in college and I was like, guys, we need to put together a road trip. Come on. You know, there is blow and men thunder. There is a mistaken lyric that I find a lot on karaoke machines. So, um, yeah, my, so my like, go-to karaoke song as young MCs bust a move, which some of the Wagoneers know, but there, um, so there's a line where he talks about ladies lying on the beach, perpetrating a tan, but Mm. many karaoke songs say the lion in the breach. And then I don't even know what's next, but it it always gets me confused because I'm ready to say the, the Oh, instead of lying on the beach. Right. And then it's like real, like you stumble because it's like a lion in the breach. But like they don't have any quality control. They can't go on Rap Genius and figure that out. Right. Hmm. A lion on the beach reading Amy Tan would work. Okay. <laughs> How do you perpetrate a tan? I thought that was going to be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I never even got that far because it's embarrassing to me to mess up my flow, much like Eminem. <laughs> Yeah, Colleen, um, tell us about your karaoke-ing. What's your – how did you get so good? Are you a natural or is, mm. is there a lot of work going into that? Um, one semester of high school choir, um, so a lot of confidence. Um, and uh, I only do – like I, I have a certain number of standards – um, that I do, but then I've been trying to do this thing where when I go to karaoke, I do one song that I haven't ever done before so that I don't just bust a move every time. Cause it's boring for my friends to listen to young MC every time. It's not boring for me. Um, but I think it's mostly, uh, high school choir and, um, I don't really like being the center of attention, but for some reason, if everybody's looking really dumb, then I'm cool with it. So I'm no poly v but i mean i'm decent meredith you've never done it have you i did it once me too what was yours independent woman by destiny's child Ooh, that's hard it was really hard and it was not by myself either yeah. it was with one other person which that's- one were you were you beyonce or one of the others that we'd we were so drunk or? i don't remember and <laughs> we, the problem i i think it would have been okay i can i was in choir too and i can i can um carry a a note, but I couldn't hear myself. Um, and that was a challenge. That was a huge, huge challenge. I, did, I could, couldn't tell where I was. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it was awful to listen to. Were you a big fan of the song? You knew you guys had like done a little screwing around with it or what? No, it was a very, you know, I was dragged up there mm, yeah, by my bad. friend and forced to do it. Yeah. So I have not tried again. <laughs> do, you, do you think you ever will? I, I doubt it. Will. No, you will. Uh, you could do can't live. So, uh, oh yeah, Kenley. Yabba dabba dabba do. You know, um, the thing about the Ken Lee thing is the the version, the corrected version, when she came back, was better 
but the one that got stuck in my head when I heard it the first time and again today was Ken Lee all night mm-hmm. at work. I was a Ken Lee. Yeah. Well, and that's a drop now. I mean, this is our first introduction to this, but we hear it over and over and over. Oh, yeah. I love it so much. Thank you for this clip, Colleen. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, guys. It's, yeah, just delightful. That was amazing. Uh, Meredith, you're in charge of housekeeping tonight. Um, what, do we, what do you have? Well, uh, as usual, go to our website, littleredbandwagon.com, and buy stickers. We have a 10 sticker good old 10 sticker and we have a little red bandwagon sticker with a cool red wagon on it that 10 sticker we do see sometimes on the stens page people are seeing each other in the wild with the 10 sticker and colleen i saw your 10 sticker yeah i had to go to chateau saint michel for work on friday and um give a presentation to a bunch of people while they were eating chocolate cake and uh oh and yeah i said i first i took a selfie and then I was like, nobody wants to see my face. So um, so I took a picture of my Subaru Outback with the 10 sticker at Chateau St. Michel. Speaking of cake, um, Mike McCauley, not a great person. Um, uh, how about the archiving? Uh, Meredith, do you, do you know how that's going? Is Christy keeping you updated? You archive. I know Colleen is just a... Yeah, I don't have an update on the numbers, um, but I know it's going swimmingly and it's a really fun thing to do. It helps the project, of course, and then Christy will love you and you can get stickers for free. So why not? Yeah, And you can find your clip like this is how Colleen found her clip. And that's how I found my clip was archiving. Um, And it's really nice to go back and and do a deep dive on an old week at TBTL. It's fun. So I would encourage everybody who's interested to contact us and get archiving. If you are a cheap person. Um, and, and you want your stickers and you enjoy TBTL archiving is mm-hmm. right for you. All right. How to get involved. The website is littleredbandwagon.com. You can go there and fill out the form and you can, uh, join us from a moderately priced hotel room somewhere in Col- in Monterey, California, Facebook, go to the stents page or ours as the, uh, election draws near, expect more Trump posts on the stents page. So, we won't allow them on ours. Uh, personal Twitters at Drew McFrizz, at Kissy Eyes, K I S S I E Y E S, at RL Pape, at Dadstronaut, at Meredith underscore Mahan, M A H A N. Um, Colleen's uh, anonymous, so we're not going to ask her for her Twitter. Oh, I can give out my Twitter. Twitter. Is- I'll give out my What's Twitter. What's that? I'll give out my Twitter. That's fine. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram as Radzillis. So uh, that's a username that nobody else took. Radzilla, spell that. <laughs> R-A-D-Z-I-L-L-I-S. Okay, because sometimes people will take away Zs and sometimes they'll give them back. I know this in my life. Um, two Zs, two Ls for me. Uh, at LRB Podcast is the show Twitter. Email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Our voicemail is 802-432-TBTL, 802 432 Eight five. Um, that's it for me. I just want to thank you again, Colleen. It's been a long time coming, and I'm, I'm glad you came on. And um, I want to have you on again sometime. Sure. Thanks, guys. This was really fun. Uh, until next time, this is the next party. That's just like Christy used to always do it. it makes Wait me really, a long time and then say it. <laughs> that really. What that am really I supposed to say? 
Uh, I love you, Jen. We all love you, Jen, especially tonight. This was a good one for you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jen. And then I'm supposed to say, nailed it.